0: Hello and welcome to Raiders24. I'm your host, Seat Johnson, and today I'm going to go through my top five candidates for the head coaching position for the Las Vegas Raiders. This is outside of AP, and these are just my five candidates that I think will be the most applicable for the organisation. Then probably going to move into a little bit around why we definitely, definitely should not be rehiring John Ruden. I don't. <coughs> excuse me. I don't understand why we've we've got this section of the fan base who seems intent or or has this wanting to bring him back. But um, there is so we will uh, we'll get to addressing that a little bit later on. But um, first, first I'm just going to go through sort of my top five heads coaching sort of options. Now, the prerequisite to this is, is I like AP. I think what he's done in rejuvenating the team, motivating them, getting them to, you know, play for the shirt, having the commitment that we expect, being in games being competitive is great. I do think he should be considered because I, for me it's, you know, like you, you, I'll see when I'm kind of looking through sort of like comments and chats and arguments online on, on across various platforms where people are like, oh, well, if he gets to this many wins or he gets to that many wins then he should be considered. If he doesn't then he shouldn't be considered. For me it's not really about how many wins he gets because... This, is, this isn't his team. He, he's basically just picked up mid-season through a catastrophic start and uh, a complete shambles with, with Josh McDaniels. So for me, it's not really about how many wins he gets. It's how does the team play every week? How well prepared is the team? What are his in-game decisions? How is his clock management How does he change things around in-game when things aren't going your way? What do you do when the offense isn't ticking over? Like what in-game changes does he make? What does he do? What does his staff do or his temporary staff at least anyway? Because again, obviously he's picked up mid-season. He's not going to be able to completely just sack everyone and bring new people in. Um, So it goes on that. It goes on the performances. Are we competitive? A bit like, you know, you could tell, like, the the fan base was extremely frustrated that we didn't beat the Dolphins and we didn't beat the Chiefs, and that just goes to show you that, one, our expectation levels have been risen because we've seen better play from the players. We've seen that we can win those games, and I think that's really what I want for the next five games of this season is to be competitive in every game and have a chance to win, and obviously... You know, if we go five and zero, that that's what we want. But it's for us to be competitive in every game, and for us to to feel like we can actually win the game, and for the players to actually look like they believe. That's what I want to see. AP, no matter whether he goes five and zero or zero and five, should be considered because he should be. Mark should be speaking to him and trying to find out what do you want to do. Like, how are you going to take us to the next level? What do you want to do with this team? And really get an understanding as to what AP wants to do, what his vision is, what his strategies will be. Who You know, does he keep the same staff? Does he want a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator? Like, what does he want to do? You know, like, that. that's really what he should be allowed to do, is project his vision, his philosophy... His uh, sort of what his mindset's going to be, how he wants the team to play, and and just really showcase that to Mark. Like he should be given the opportunity, and I I hope and think he will be at least given the opportunity to interview and express how he can take the club forward. So that that's what I want from him and want from the team for the rest of the season. And something that I, I I've said sort of numerous times before, but we'll say again here now is. For, for me, like if you're running any organization, any business, when you're hiring a CEO, a sales director, partnerships director, you know, marketing director, whatever position it may be, when you're in a senior management position, a controlling position, a position of leadership, you hire the best in class. You don't hire your friends. You don't hire people you've worked with before, you hire the best in class. Because what happens when you hire people you've worked with before, you hire your friends. Exactly what happened with Josh McDaniels. Only hires people he's worked with, only hires people he really knows. People who are not going to question what, how he runs things, are not going to put across new ideas, are not going to say, hey, why are we doing this? This doesn't work anymore, we need to do this. We need a leader who's comfortable Who's not insecure, who picks the best-in-class staff to help him, create a best-in-class team. And that starts with you go and get best-in-class at every single position. Now I'm happy for us to give opportunities to up-and-coming rising stars. So if you look at, at Champ Kelly, for example, thought to be the GM. You know, if, if you're talking around and you're looking around and he's considered one of the up-and-comers, someone who's really, really good, someone actually when he gets a full-time GM position, he's going to be able to excel in it because he's shown that he has the characteristics, he's shown he has the abilities, he's shown he has the intellectual rigour to be able to perform under pressure in that role then that's fine. It's the same with AP. Like if you, you know, if you've really gotten through him in several interviews, really gotten to know him, really understand, okay, what is his vision? What's his philosophy? What's his roadmap to take us forward? And he can clearly explain that to you and you're like, fuck, yeah, this this is exactly how I want the team to go and exactly how I feel we should go, then, then that's fine. For me personally, like I, I'm I'm happy for Champ Kelly to be given the GM position. Everything that I've read and heard, again, I don't know him. I don't have any club sources telling me about him. But everything I've read about him is he's an up-and-comer. He's he's a rising star. And that uh, he's going to be good at his position. So I'm happy for him to be put in that position. I would also be happy if we go and get, I don't have any names off the top of my head, but if we go and get a GM, who has been there, seen it, and done it. Best in class, someone who knows how to build a roster to win a Super Bowl, I'd be happy for us to go and get that. Now moving back on to to being a head coach, or who our head coach should be rather, I've got a list of sort of like five people here who I like. I think for me when I came out, I'll go through all all five and and why I've picked them, Um, and I think... When it comes to like the one I ultimately want, that will kind of come back to what I've just spoken about being best in class, about someone who knows how to do it, has been there, seen it, done it. Um and who I think can give us stability. Because I think that's the key thing here is like whoever we get and whoever we get, I'm going to fully support whether I, I, I want them in the position or not, is that person then needs to be in this position for the next five plus years. We can't keep having this cycle of constantly changing coach because we're not happy with them or they've not done it. You need to do your research beforehand. You need to find a coach that can get on well with players in this day and age. You know, you can't do what people like McDaniels did or, and you know, and other people in that Bill Balachek tree and other people in, in different sort of coaching trees where you're acting like it's the 80s and 90s where you're being this hard-nosed, um, talking-down sort of leader in the locker room. Like, that doesn't wash anymore. You know, people coming through now are, are completely different characters, behave in completely different ways to how we were when we were brought up in the seventies and eighties. So the coaching needs to change to that. In and, and, and that's just terms of man management. Let alone talking about actually, is the coach able to be innovative now? Is he be able to adapt to the modern NFL? And the modern NFL is an offensive NFL. You need to have a great defense but you need to be really creative on offense, you need to be knowing what you're doing there, you need to be able to mix it up so people don't know what you're doing, you can't be predictable, you can't be running the same routes, you can't be doing the same things week upon week upon week, because it's too predictable now, you know, players now are so athletic, players now are so good, players now are actually coming out of college, and they're ready to be started straight away, not all of them, but there's a lot, There's a lot of players coming out of college being ready to be starters, so you need to be creative, need to be able to think on your feet, um, and you need to be able to adapt constantly being able to to adapt. So, okay, I'll jump into the five that I've got. As with all these, if, if this person hasn't been a head coach before, that's my main worry with them, because... Loads of people, you can obviously strike it lucky. You could get a, you know, a Sean McVeigh or, um, or a McDaniels down in Miami or, or whatever it may be. But then there's also a lot of Nathaniel Hackett's, you know, Freddie Kitchens. You know, th- there's loads of people that, you know, do become a head coach, but are not just able to hack it because they're not really supposed to be a head coach, at least at this level anyway. So these will be my only down, that's my main downside to anyone that I've listed who hasn't been a head coach before, is that they haven't been there, seen it done. It doesn't mean that they can't, but that's always like that slight negative on my side. Okay, so, and this is in no particular order. So this isn't any particular order. And again, at the end, I'm, I'm going to give you who, who I want to be anyway. So first off is is Ben Johnson. He's currently the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. I'm quite a big, I'm quite a big fan of his. Well, at least I've liked what I've seen um, of his offenses for the past two seasons. Um, the Lions' offense have averaged twenty-five points per game, which ranks them eighth in the NFL uh, when it comes to points scored. So, uh, I've liked what he's done. I think for me, what I've liked particularly with him and, and what Detroit have done with Jared Goff is it obviously must have been hard for Jared Goff to kind of be kicked out you kind of swap quarterbacks, they go on and win the Super Bowl and it, that must have taken quite a toll on Jared. So, and I feel like since they won the Super Bowl, I feel like season upon season, he's progressed and, and gotten better and really fitted in well in Detroit and become a real leader there, um, you know, and, and that's in no small part to, to what Johnson's been able to do, but um, so I I really really like that, and again we're not we're not the only ones. Or Mark Davis probably not the only one who's already seen this. Like you know Johnson has been there for teams to to look up for head coaching positions. He was interviewed by Indianapolis Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans uh, in the last offseason. season. Um, you know didn't get those, but um, you know he's been in that picture for it, and I would expect there'll be teams who are going to be doing that this season as well you know you've got more than likely you're going to have a head coaching position in Washington you've got one in North Carolina you've got you may have one in New England you've got one in Las Vegas you know and you know one or two more may crop up um as we come you know Maybe the Chicago Bears do. Who knows? You know, so there's there's other things that come, you know, New Orleans Saints. Um, there's other ones that might crop up. So I think he's going to be quite highly sought after. So I would expect and hoping Mark Davis at least brings him in and interviews and, and really understands what his vision and philosophy is. And I think this is a key point to make as well with everything, because I want Mark to bring in sort of like, you know, you know, five, six, seven really high quality candidates and really grill them and interview them and really get to understand what's their roadmap, you know, what's their vision, um, and what's their philosophy. And does that align with ours, a commitment to excellence? Does it align to ours with having an offence that's throwing the ball downfield? That's making the opposition nervous because they don't know what we're going to do. Because they're scared that we can throw it that far. That we're able to push them and we do it straight away from the first, from, from the first, first and ten. That's what we do. We go and take it to them. Our defence straight away takes out the, the quarterback. Straight away is playing hard-nosed, real hard. You know you're in a game. From the f- the first seconds it goes off, you know you're in a game when our defence hits the field. Like that's the type of coach that I want. And that's what we should be getting across, and that's what Mark should be understanding from every person that comes in. You know that roadmap, that vision, that philosophy. But does it align to what we want? That commitment to excellence. Everything that was drilled into the heritage of this franchise by Al Davis, that's what we need in the next head coach to take us forward. You know, I want us to to be sitting here in 10 years' time and have a similar situation to, like, what the Pittsburgh Steelers do, where, you know, you've got a coach who's been in there for, like, 10 years. And don't get me wrong, like, if it becomes stale, if it becomes stagnant and you're not progressing, then yes – but you need to make sure that you get the right candidate, the right type of person in, and then you're not changing every two or three years. It doesn't matter if you have a down year. You can be in a rebuilding year. That's perfectly normal for a franchise. But like we shouldn't be constantly just changing coach because when you're doing that, it says that you haven't done the research in the first place and this guy isn't actually aligned to what our values are, who we are, and what we want to be. So I think that's probably the most the, the, the key thing um, i would say from for mark moving forward but ben johnson's that's the first one i'm going to go through so second one we move on to frank smith miami dolphins defensive coordinator so smith does obviously have a bit of a bit of history uh, with the raiders already he worked as the titans coach between 2018 and 2020 um and you know everyone's talking about Miami at the moment. You know Miami have been phenomenal since Mike uh, McDaniel's has has been down there. Um, and you know Frank Smith has been has been pivotal um, in that Raiders offense, um, in uh, Miami's offense. Um, what I like about the Dolphins is they're so creative. You know, like they use all their players. They really know. Okay, we've got Tua. We know what his strengths are. We know what his weaknesses are. And we're going to build the playbook around him. We're going to get it so he believes he's the best quarterback in the world. And I think that's been vital to their success. Is to has believed again that he's the best in the NFL. Because I think before then he was like, Oh, everyone's saying I'm going to get traded. Oh, oh they're going to bring Tom Brady in. Oh, they don't want me here. Everyone's saying to get rid of me. And it's like Mike McDaniels. Frank Smith, put their arm around him and said, you're the best quarterback in the NFL, we're going to win a Super Bowl with you, just watch, learn the plays, work with us and we'll show you. And that's what they have done, you know, the Dolphins now are one of the most exciting teams to watch in the NFL. And again, that obviously helps that they've got weapons, you know, you've got Tyreek Hill, you know, you've got uh, Jaden uh, Waddle, you know, like, it helps when you have elite wide receivers or you have a have a top running back you know like all these help you know again they've had a, a good defense again as well but the the thing i like that frank smith has done there he's consistently had them as a top 10 offensive unit in back to back seasons you know that's what that's what we want you know that is the raid away uh, you know a team that throws the ball, the team that believes they're going to score every time they get it, you know, offense is high scoring, like, this is what we want, and that's why I put Frank Smith in there, because I was like, hey, another guy who's worked with a quarterback that everyone said is shit, don't bother with him, and again, another offensive coordinator, back-to-back seasons, that has that quarterback, has that offense, just absolutely ticking along being an exciting offense being a creative offense but they've just be they've been so good so I I I did like Frank Smith and again obviously had his had his history of being at the Raiders as well so understands the philosophy here what the the culture is or what the culture should be um at the Raiders so that's my second one now now we move on to my third one uh, and it's Brian Callahan. Um, he's Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator. Okay, so this might not be a super popular one. I don't know, but he has he has super strong connections to the Raiders. Obviously, his father Bill had a two year stint as head coach, two thousand two to two thousand three. Br- Brian himself was actually a quarterbacks coach in twenty eighteen before he moved over to Cincinnati. For the Bengals um, OC job, um, now he's been working with Joe Burrow now for what three, four seasons now, and again that offense has been consistently ranked in the top ten for all of those seasons. Now again, this is the third offensive coordinator now that's worked with a quarterback. That's taken them to be consistent, repeatedly, season after season, to be in a high-scoring offense, consistently be able to, you know, win games and put up high numbers, able to throw the ball downfield, being creative, being consistent, the two key things, and... I just think he's someone that that can be considered again like for me like when i was looking through this i've i picked out a couple of people who are former head coaches because i I do believe that that's probably the route we should go down someone who's been a head coach before knows how to build a roster knows how to build a team but i did want to throw in some you know three sort of exciting sort of offensive coordinators and i know people will be saying oh you could have put this person in you could have put that person then I could have done but I've literally just picked out three that kind of came to mind that I liked there is numerous other offensive coordinators who we could also look at so if you have people in mind you know put them in the comments uh you know message me on twitter and we can kind of go back and forth so I'm open to listening to other ones but these were kind of the three three ones that I thought now I'm just going to move on to the fourth one now former head coach Jim Harbaugh. Now I know in the fan base this is kind of mixed we've got some people who are like yes let's go and get Jim other people are like nah not interested. Jim Harbaugh his record I mean it does it does speak for itself. He's 44 19 and on 1 drawing a four year span at the 49ers. He lost in a Super Bowl to his brother He's been there. He's done it. He knows how to build a roster. He knows how to get them to a Super Bowl. That at least people, someone of that should be being interviewed by Mark. Now his name has has been touted in the last few sort of coaching uh, sort of cycles for the Raiders, and and has been for numerous other teams as well. You know they've got a great chance. Jim's got a great chance of winning the Natty with Michigan this season and what a way that would be to be able to go out he's obviously had issues with the NCAA I don't know he, he's been at Michigan for a long time now you know he he lives close to his family there so he may just be comfortable and just you know want to coach for the next 10-15 years more at Michigan and you know you know be at the same team for like 25-30 years and then retire off into the sunset I don't know but i do think that mark needs to re- reach out to jim and really understand where is he at is he does he want to come back to the nfl is he interested what is his vision what is his philosophy what is his roadmap for the raiders if that is an interesting option for him he will get i'm sure to pick his quarterback because we should be able to get someone in the draft and he can then go forward from there jim obviously with spending the past like decades um in college football is obviously looking forward two three years he should be pretty good with the next gm for the next sort of three three years because that's all he's doing is scouting players understanding players he will know where all the best players are he'll know who to get because it'll be the ones that he could he either got in michigan or wasn't able to get or transferred or whatever he will know all the top names so that gives him a really good enough, at least that first sort of portion of his tenure, it gave him a great ability to really should be drafting really, really well, really well. He, that, that really is one of the things I did like when I was thinking of Jim, is that he'll know all the players, he'll know who to draft, and that gives us a bit of an edge in these next sort of three drafts coming up. I do like his record at San Francisco. He is a leader. People will follow him. And I think he's a good option. He's a former head coach, both at college and NFL. So that, for me, put him in a positive sphere for me. Now, my last one is Dan Quinn. So Dan Quinn's currently uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator. Used to be head coach for Atlanta Falcons. Now, Quinn, for me, is probably what you would call maybe one of the, the safer choices, now, he, he was well sought after last year. He interviewed for several top jobs, but decided to go back to Dallas and continue running their defence. Now, with Quinn, like I said, like he's a safe choice. You know that you're going to get an elite defence with him in charge. You know he knows how to build a roster. He is a leader, a proper leader. He is someone that you know that you can say, hey, go and be my head coach, and he can take us forward over the next five years. He can build a roster. He will build a defense. When you have a great defense, you're going to be in every single game. He'll be able to draft the quarterback that he wants. So there's none of this. You go into a team and it's like, oh, I don't really like that quarterback, but we can't get out of his contract. And we're, oh, well, we just have to deal with it. No, he can he can go forward with the quarterback that he wants. There's nothing stopping him there. He's got great pieces on offense already. Josh Jacobs, whether you keep him, whether you get rid of him and get a new running back. Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, you know, um, Mayer's um, tight end, you know, like we, there's enough pieces there, Colton Miller left tackle, you know, we've got enough pieces there where you can look at that and be like, this isn't a full rebuild, this is, you be strategic about this, you get a few people on the O-line, you get a few people on the D-line, get an ECB, centre back, uh, safety, and we can compete here and you get the right quarterback, and we're good here, and especially with him running the defense, him getting in his team it, like this is a safe choice this for me what like I said at the start, like we need stability, we need to pick the right person that can stay here for a considerable amount of time rather than having ups and downs and again, with dan Quinn, there's no controversy, there's no nothing around him, it's just a leader, someone who loves football. And someone that we can just trust and know that he's going to take this role, be the leader that we need, and try and build a roster to take us to a Super Bowl. Now, as you probably guessed from my tone and vigour of speaking about Dan Quinn, Dan is actually my choice for who I'd like Mark to pick next. Um, like I said, like, you know, we can have a top defence, he can pick his quarterback the addition of a creative uh, offensive coordinator. He has the weapons on offense. He's got Max Crosby. We can challenge for a Super Bowl and he can give us stability. No more of this change in hands. We've got a strong leader, someone the players will play for, someone that everyone will respect and someone that can build a real world-class, best-in-class organization. Now, hit me up on Twitter. Raiders24, send me your thoughts. What do you feel about this? Do you agree with the five options I've picked? Do you agree with Dan Quinn sort of being the numero uno uh, choice for us to do? Or do you have other options? Who else should we get? And again, I understand there's a lot of AP acolytes on social media. I'm not saying he shouldn't be given a chance. For me, you either go with someone who's been... A head coach before be been there seen it done it knows how to build a roster knows how to take someone to a Super Bowl both Dan Quinn and Jim Harbaugh meet all those if you don't want to go down that route then for me the only way to go is you go and get the most exciting creative offensive coordinator that fits your philosophy and fits the culture of the club because to win in the NFL you must have a good defense, but you must have a creative strategic innovative offensive minded coach to be able to do that like that's what I believe or at least you need to have the offensive coordinator if you're a defensive coach like Dan Quinn to allow you to have great options on both sides of the ball like that that that's where it is but again, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Leave comments. If you're listening to this on YouTube, leave comments down there. If you listen to Apple Podcast or on Spotify, come over to Twitter, message us at Raiders24, get involved in the conversation. You know, this, this platform is for all fans to be able to discuss their thoughts, their feelings, their opinions on everything. We're not like the mainstream media. You know, none of none of this is scripted. None of this is to a narrative of uh, a media outlet's agenda. This is content for the fans, by the fans. So please get involved in the conversation. Please interact with us. Please engage. Let us know what content you want. Let us know what you want us to talk about in the podcasts. Um, and we can go from there. Now, before I go, I do just want to touch base on on John Rudin. Now, I, I've seen numerous things. I've seen... I've seen you know stories about Rich Pasarchi's being looked at. You know Shaw, who used to be a head coach of Stanford, has been looked at. I honestly don't know what's true and what's not. Mainstream media, you know, the people that work for the clubs, people that have the sources and all that, they put out so much shit because the club either tells them to do it, the media let outlets try to do it. They're all bought. They all pedal all the same shit and no one does any proper journalism anymore. That's not what we do here. We will talk about what we think and what we want. When we have sources, they will be real sources that we're able to verify and say, hey, we're telling you this because someone in the club has told us this. This isn't them peddling bullshit to try and give to try and make the club look good or make the senior executive look good. It would be real information that we can do. But aside from that, let me get back to, to John Gruden. So, online, you've got numerous bullshit stories coming out that John Gruden's going to be considered to come back by Mark Davis. I don't see that for a variety of reasons. One, he's still caught up with battling against the NFL. John ain't dropping that. John Gruden was made a scapegoat. What he's done was abhorrent. What he said in those emails, everything, he shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And it's horrible to think that he thought it was okay to do that. But he was talking to people and people were interacting with him and not saying anything about that behavior, which tells you that they find that behavior acceptable. They also participate in that behavior. Otherwise, you would call them out on it. That That's a normal thing that people do. People don't. I can assure you that the vast majority of people in the NFL, unfortunately, will speak and behave in the way that he spoke. Like that's, you know, that's that won't be surprising to people listening to this. People will behave like that. And he knows he was made in a scapegoat and he will not drop it until everybody knows that and until he gets his name cleared as much as he can be cleared, that they kind of dropped him in it. So for that reason alone, I don't see him coming back. Um, I also just, you know, Mark listens to the players. I think Mark doesn't make his decisions based off this, but I think he does listen to the fans. And I think you can see the vast majority of fans don't want John Gruden back. There is a a nice small niche collective on on social media that keeps campaigning for him. But it's not a big proportion of the fan base. The majority of the fan base can see they don't want him back. And, you know, to clarify this and get this out first, I've always been a bit of a John Gruden fanboy. I have kind of grew grew up kind of watching him at the Raiders the first time when he was at Tampa Bay and won the Super Bowl. um, And then obviously on TV and then back to the Raiders. So you know, f- for me, like, I, I, liked, I liked John Gruden sort of pre-controversy, and I I still do like him, I don't like that he felt he was able to behave in that manner, and thought that was appropriate to speak about people, or say the things that he said, That they're, they're, they're disgusting, and, you know, I hope that he's changed and learnt from it, and, and isn't behaving like that anymore, but, you know, that's me saying I was a John Gruden fan, and I'm telling you, I don't want him back, um... The reasons for this, like I'll I'll go into quickly, sort of, I think like I was saying, like, you know, if Mark Davis brings him back, you know, like year upon year, the players coming in are different. Their characteristics, their behavior, they're part of a different generation are coming in. I don't think people will want to come and play for him. I feel like he's a bit of an old school coach and that old school coach mentality isn't really washing anymore. You know, like, you need to be able to foster a positive environment, an inclusive culture. And I feel like because of that controversy, it will alienate players and it will alienate the fans. So I'm not sure bringing him back is going to be like that. Oh, wow, that's going to be a magnet for players out of college to come and play for him I don't think people will be desperate to do that you might you know might have some more people on the offensive side of things you know Gruden sort of a is a quarterback whisperer as it were and you know I always thought John's offenses were good you know he had Derek Carr who you know while he's cozied up with him again sort of in New Orleans that I was a consultant you know there were times where he was always talking about that you know thinking that you know he's going to trade car and get someone else um so you know quarterbacks might feel like oh hey you know that'd be good to work with him because he's going to get the best out of me but you know I don't feel like players come out of college or and even sort of like big superstars would be like hey I want to play for Gruden. Secondly. His last stint with us wasn't great. I, I feel like people forget that. you know he was four and 12, seven and nine, eight and eight. like that's that's not good. <clears throat> and even if you're doing a complete rebuild, you can do a complete rebuild in two drafts. if you draft right. like you can do that. We didn't. uh it was it was literally abysmal. the amount of draft picks we wasted on players that we just overreached for. You know, like, I I know it's super hard to know. Everyone thinks they're the GM. Everyone thinks they know how to scout. But if you actually, when it comes to your pick, if you're 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, whatever, if you just pick the best person on the board, they're typically going to pan out. Especially if we're looking in the first rounds. You know, don't get me wrong, there are loads of first rounders that don't work. But if you pick the best player on the board you've got the best chance of them working. And even if it doesn't work, you can say you picked the best person on the board who everybody said was good and he became a bust for whatever reason, whether it's physical attributes or whether it's because he can't hack playing at this level. You know, you give yourself like a buyout with that. We didn't. We reached on fucking everybody. And very, very few of them worked out. So, you know, performance last time wasn't good. Again, like I said, with sort of um, new college people coming in, I don't think John Gruden coming in really inspires that locker room. They just had that old school do it my way or the highway sort of thing with Josh McDaniels. It doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. And unless John Gruden's kind of changed... Which I just don't think he will be. He'll be determined to come back and determined to prove he's still got it. He will want to come back and win a Super Bowl to say "fuck you" to everyone. I I don't think he's going to inspire the locker room that we had. I just don't. So I don't see that being a great boost on team morale with the team that we've got. And lastly, even even with a fan base, like I know there's a small sort of group of people on on social that we got it, but like I don't think our fan base wants him to come back. That's not the overall impression I get from friends I speak to, from other other fans online and everything like that. I don't get the feeling that everyone's like, yeah, I can't wait for John Gruden's comeback. Like, I just, I don't get that. Um, so for me, it's a big fat no to John. Now, I, what I would prefer to see is I prefer John to go to college Indiana wherever you know Texas Am something like that go and go in college and go and um, go and help bring some you know fantastic quarterbacks to the NFL go and help you know get some discipline in some young college players and get them ready for life like that's what you should be going to and doing go and enjoy real coaching I feel like college you can just be a coach and just eat it sleep it breathe it every single day. And there is pressure, but I feel like college would be a good place for him to go. Still gets the limelight, still gets money. Um, I, I just think that would be a good place for him to go. But wherever he goes, it definitely shouldn't be to the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, well, I think that's, uh, I think that's about time for, um, for this episode today. If you've enjoyed it, if you're listening on YouTube, please subscribe, please give us a like, please share. Um, If you're listening on any of the podcasts, Apple, uh, Spotify, wherever, please again, share any of social media outlets that you use. Um, And please join us on Twitter. Twitter is a great place for us to interact. So please please go to Raiders24, please comment, please tell us what content, please tell us what you like about what we've done today whether you like the head coach's options, whether you want John Gruden back or whether you don't, um, please interact with us. Again, you can go on our YouTube channel, Raiders24. Uh, Please leave comments there and interact with us. And um, yeah, we can can get talking about um, what the future of the Raiders is going to look like and what we want Mark Davis to do. So uh, thank you for listening and speak to you guys soon.